I am excited to bring back for our second time um, a friend of this house family, um, Sarah Maholski, and she is coming to bring the word this morning. No stranger, can you give her a hand as she comes? Get ready. God's going to do some cool things in our hearts today. We love you, Sarah. Well, it's such a joy to be here to this morning. I tell you, driving from, well, Redmond, it was just like split pea soup fog, you know. But, <laughs> but I had such a wonderful time just worshiping the Lord and just having a, a hallelujah time in Jesus, you know. And so um, anyway, it's just wonderful when the, you know, just to be in the presence of Jesus Christ and to allow the Holy Spirit just to move, you know, afresh and new in each one of our lives, you know. And so anyway, um, before I share the message uh, that the Lord's laid on my heart, and um, anyway, there are just a couple books that my hubby and I, my belated loving husband and I, um, he, you know, um, we, wrote a, we wrote several books, and he actually wrote several, and then we wrote together actually all the books he would you know sit down and he would dictate and I would sit at the computer and I'd be typing away he'd be talking and I'd be typing away and and I would say wait 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 you know he goes I'm on the roll hon I'm on the roll <laughs> and I said yeah but I just can't keep up with you you're going like 100 miles an hour you know and and if any of you have heard him speak he speaks he spoke really fast you know I said you spoke like a little you know like a little bullet that's going out you know and so um, anyway but um, one of the books that we wrote what he wrote well both of us wrote was tears of triumph and it just shares um, first of all a little bit about his biographical sketch how God led his parents out of you know they were um, you know escaped out of Poland into Germany and then came to the West and you know just the lifestyle they lived under Nazism you know and so anyway he was born in a at first it was a concentration camp but turned to a displaced persons camp and so anyway um, God just delivered you know some mighty mighty you know things in their lives and and then we also share some of our own personal stories how we began you know taking Bibles into Russia smuggling Bibles into Russia we didn't well, they said smuggling is illegal. Well, we did not take anything. In those years, there was nothing in their constitution or bylaws that prohibited the import of a Bible. But verbally, you know, and, um, you know, they, you know, said completely the opposite. And if they caught you taking Bibles in those years, you know, 60s and 70s, you know, 80s, um, if they caught you taking Bibles, you know, the first time they export you out of the country, and after that, you know, if you kept coming again and they caught you with more Bibles, then they, the uh, imprisonment was, the minimum was three and a half years maximum death. Well, God did miracle after miracle after miracle. And so anyway, that's in tears of triumph, and it will just bless the socks out of you, you know. So anyway, somebody mentioned to me that they they counted over 120 different stories in that book, you know. So anyway, um, they're real-life stories. So anyway, if you want to be blessed out of your socks. Anyway, so then we wrote another one, and that's how uh, this one is more of how God led my family out of Russia, in, you know, from Ukraine you know, to the north, and God told my parents and my grandparents, you know, to leave Russia. And somebody just asked me just recently about, you know, um, and they had mentioned about Stalin and the famine that happened, you know, under Stalin and how he had butchered and killed, you know, over 30 million people, his own people. Now, people talk about, I mean, Hitler. Hitler was bad too, but Stalin killed over 30 million of his own people, you know, and um, anyway, uh, uh, you know, and people don't realize, you know, how, I mean, the devil, he's just, he's just bad. <laughs> he's an evil, evil, that one day he's going to be bound forever and ever and thrown into the lake of fire. And I thank God that our day for, you know, being with Jesus is coming soon. It's coming soon. But anyway, um, God has spoken to my grandparents 
and, um, uh, and God had miraculously saved my grandfather. First, he saved my grandma, and my grandma, she would go to church, and um, she was just, you know, in her, in her early 20s. And, um, and my grandpa did not like my mom or my grandma going to church. And, you know, he said, you, you know, forsook, you know, the, um, the Pravoslavna Vera, the um, Orthodox religion, you know. And so he said, you have, you know, forsaken that religion. And so anyway, um, so he forbade her from going to, a, you know, to a Christian evangelical church or fellowship at that time. And so anyway, he tried everything in his power. And one day he came with um, with a uh, with an axe, and just as he came with the axe, um, she was you know in bed, and he came with the axe to kill her, and all of a sudden his hand just went paralyzed, and he couldn't do anything to her, and he just cried out. He said, "What is wrong? What is wrong?" And my grandma she said, "Jesus is alive, and he is my refuge, and he's my defender." And she said, and Jesus is calling you. Well, that night, he dropped that axe. That night, as he was sleeping, he saw in a dream that my, his wife, you know, my grandma, that she was being taken up to heaven. And he saw himself, and he saw this lake of fire. And he saw himself being, you know, pulled into this lake of fire. And he felt the flames. And he said, Elizabeth, Elizabeth, I can feel the flames. Don't, you know, don't let me go to hell. Don't let me go to hell. And he cried out. And he said, Jesus, save my soul. Well, Jesus heard his cry and answered his prayer. And he became a mighty, mighty man of God where God, you know, used him to lead a, you know, a large group of Christians out of Ukraine, you know, into northern Russia and then into China. But, you know, God spoke to him just shortly after he got saved. And my grandpa, he literally, he had, you know, thousands of acres of wheat. And he would export this wheat out of Ukraine to, you know, the West. And at that time, God, it was just before the harvest was to take place. And God said to my grandpa, he said, I want you to sell everything and leave here within two weeks. And my grandpa, he said, but God, <clears throat> you know, this is the greatest harvest. You know, it's so ripe. It's the best harvest that is just, you know, that I'm about to, you know, gather in. And, um, and God said, sell everything and leave this place and hurry. And God said, there's an urgency, leave this place. And he took, you know, all the Christians, they left. Well, two weeks later, they had gone up to the north, and they found out that all the wheat, everything that, you know, they had owned before and other, you know, people that owned, everything was burnt down to the ground by Stalin. And so God had preserved the Christians. He preserved, you know, the people there. And so God is so faithful, so faithful. And anyway, many, many miracles took place. So, um, you know, take one of these. They're, you know, the, the, you know, most of the proceeds of these books go towards Bibles that we still purchase in Russia, in Ukraine. And um, we are able to buy them in those countries so we don't have to smuggle them into Russia or Ukraine. And... Uh, <laughs> they're $10 each. So anyway, but, um, uh, you know, I just, I just want to mention to, you know, early, early of last year, um, I came down with COVID. And, I mean, it, I had, you know, struggled with it for quite a while, about um, two months, you know. And I finally, you know, the Lord did touch me. And, and then in April of um, last year, the Lord spoke and said, I want you to go back to Ukraine. Well, with COVID, the way, you know, it's been rampage all over, um, you know, uh, Ukraine too. And the people, my friends in Chicago and other places, they said, Sister Sarah, do not go to Ukraine right now. They said there are so many people, especially in villages, that are dying because they're not able to even get any medical treatment in these poor villages. And they said, don't go. And the Holy Spirit just kept saying, I want you to go. I want you to go. And I said, okay, God, if this is your will, if this is, you know, you speak into my heart, then you make a way and provide. And our goal has always been, you know, in the ministry to, you know, purchase and provide, you know, large quantities of Bibles for the people in remote villages. 
And so I said, God, if you provide, you know, just um, you know, enough money, you know, for a large quantity. And I was thinking about, you know, one ton of Bibles, and that was like 50,000 Bibles. And so that was my belief. You know, I thought, God, if you provide within, and I gave God two weeks. I said, if when, within two weeks you provide for one tons of Bibles that we can, the ministry can buy, then I'm going to buy a ticket and go to Ukraine. Well, in less than one week, in one week, God just, I mean, provided a, you know, a donor, miraculous donor. He said, you know, I just felt led of God to send this fi these finances for Bibles. Well, he sent $50,000. And I thought, wow. And not only did we buy one ton, we bought three tons of Bibles. And so anyway, I bought my ticket, and I was on my way and went to Ukraine. And God literally opened doors and did some phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal things there. And so we not only bought Bibles for Ukraine, Russia, but bought for Islamic Republic. So anyway, God is an amazing, wonderful God that, you know, when we obey, when we obey his word, he brings forth his miracles. He, he does his miracles when we obey the word that he tells us to do. Anyway, I'd like to read out of Habakkuk. Avakum in Russian, and there are some, I think, here that's, that speak Russian. <laughs> so anyway, Slava Gospodu. Yes, Isus Gospodь, Nash Tsar Gospodь. Yes, Amen. Okay, Avakum Habakkuk. Between trying to say it in Russian and English, sometimes, you know, my tongue gets... Twist, oh yeah, my tongue gets twisted. And usually <coughs> in the past, when I would, you know, say, couldn't think of the word in English, I would say it in Russian. And my husband, who spoke, you know, uh, Polish, and he understood Russian, he would, you know, correct me and he would tell it in English. Well, I don't have his little translation, so if, you, if I speak some words and you don't understand it, you pray for the interpretation or you ask the brother here. <laughs> So anyway, Habakkuk chapter 2, and read in verse 2 and 3. And um, the message is called, Write the Vision. So anyway, in Habakkuk 2, uh, it says, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain in tablets, that he may run who reads it, for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak, and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. And then, um, and then I want to read uh, you know, in Isaiah uh, chapter 43 and verse 19, and I believe this is for today, for today for each one of you. Behold, I will do a new thing. This is the year. God is going to be doing new things in your family, in your life. Now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it. I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Heavenly Father, I just ask you right now that your Holy Spirit would just captivate our hearts, our mind, our thoughts. Jesus, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would minister to each one of us. Father God, you know the needs of every heart here. And I just ask that you would just cause each one to lay aside, lay aside our burdens, lay aside the things that just so easily sometimes beset us, God. And I ask that we would lay it at your feet. And Jesus, I ask that you would allow us to focus, to focus on you. And God, I just ask that your word would come forth, that would minister, that would be a fresh revelation to each one that you would give your nuggets, your nuggets of revelation in the name of Jesus. Father God, I just ask that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit would take control of the meeting, that the Holy Spirit would take control of our lives, and that the Holy Spirit would flow through us. And Jesus, I ask that your name would be glorified, that all that is said and done will be to the praise and glory of Jesus Christ. Amen. 
Amen. When it says write the vision, you know, it might tarry, but yet, you know, it will come to pass. And I, I've been reading about, well, um, I've been going through uh, Genesis and reading about Joseph. And I was reminded how Joseph was given a vision. He was given a dream. And the dream, I mean, he had shared it with his brothers. He shared it with his father. And the dream was that, you know, he saw this one sheaf, you know, his sheaf, and these, all these other, his brother's sheaves, they all bowed down before him. And the brothers, they thought, well, who do you think you are? You think we're going to come and bow before you? You know, and then he saw another dream, how even the moon and the stars, which meant his father, his mother, that they were going to bow down before him. And <clears throat> so the brothers, they kind of despised him when they heard this dream, when they heard this vision. But, you know, uh, God made and gave that vision, that dream, for a time, for a purpose. And he does give you. He does give us. He gives, he gives his vision, his dreams. And some of us, he has given you know, certain dreams and maybe a certain vision that we have not seen come to pass. And sometimes we want that vision. We want that dream. And we say, well, God, I've seen it you know, so many years ago. You've given me this vision so many years ago. And I have not seen it come into fulfillment. But, you know, God's timing, God's timing is perfect. And there is a purpose there's a purpose when he gives the dream, when he gives the vision. There's a purpose in our life. And that purpose, like in, in Joseph's time, it was for the deliverance, for the deliverance of his people. You see, the world, they might see and they might, you know, translate even the things that God has spoken to you. They might say, oh, that's impossible. That's impossible. But yet in Isaiah, as it says, behold, I will do. I will do a new thing. Shall you not know it? It will spring forth. It will spring forth suddenly. And shall you not know it? And you know, there was a time, I remember many years ago, as we were taking Bibles, you know, into Russia. And we had just come back from Russia. And in those years, you know, we had to wait about six months before we could, you know, uh, go to the consulate in Seattle. There was a Russian consulate there. I don't know if it still exists or not. But anyway, in those years, we had to go and apply for the visas. Well, we had to wait six months after we returned from Russia. So we had to give a time frame of about six months before we could return back into the former Soviet Union. Well, we came into this one little prayer group. And as we came into this one little prayer group, I remember um, we were praying, and there was this lady that I did not know, but the lady, the sister that invited us to this prayer meeting, her name was Linda. And she was an old friend of ours, and her husband, Walter, um, he and Richard were born in the same displaced persons camp in Germany. So they grew up from, you know, from the time they were, you know, little. And so anyway, they invited us to this, uh, to this prayer meeting. And in this prayer meeting, I remember this one lady, she came up to me and she said, can I pray for you? And I said, yeah, you can. And as she began to pray, all of a sudden she began to pray in the Russian language. And I thought, oh, I thought, Slava Bogo. I thought, praise the Lord. You know, she must be Russian. And the Lord began to speak through her and said, I will make a way where there seems to be no way. For you will return back to the former Soviet Union. You will return back to Russia. It won't be by your might. It won't be by your strength, but it will be by my Holy Spirit that I will lead you and I will guide you. And, you know, then she spoke and, and then it was spoken and said, and I will do miracles where you will see the Bibles being taken in in a miraculous way. Well, you know, this was all spoken in Russian. Well, then later on, um, <clears throat> after she was through, Linda, our friend, who doesn't know a word of Russian, I mean, the only thing I think she knew, she knew was da and maybe nyet, you know. And so anyway, and I think everybody knows da and nyet, you know. <coughs> but anyway, Linda began to give the interpretation into the English language word to word what was spoken in the Russian language. Well, I knew, and Richard, we knew that Linda didn't know any Russian. And so my mouth had just dropped, you know, and I thought, Wow, Lord, you know, and he had given this, you know, this vision about us going back into the former Soviet Union. 
So Richard and I, instead of waiting for six months, you know, Richard and I, and this was just a few weeks after we had returned back from Russia. Anyway, Richard and I, he goes, honey, let's go to the consulate and apply for visas. I said, but honey, you know, they won't, they'll refuse, you know, to even, you know, allow us to, you know, fill out the forms because of the duration that we have to wait. He goes, but God spoke. And so he said, God spoke and said he would make, he would make a way and that we would be returning very soon. And so here, as it says, write the vision, write the vision and believe it, believe it, you know. And so anyway, so Richard said, you know, God, you gave that vision. So we're going to go. And so, you know, um, without, you know, faith without works, faith without action is dead. And so when God gives, you know, if you want, if you believe and you want faith to grow in you, then there's got to be action that, is be ta- that has to be taken with your faith. And so as we went to the Russian consulate, you know, and Richard said, you know, we would like to apply for visas to return back to Russia. Well, the major general came in and he said, oh, Richard and Sarah Mihalsky, you know, they knew us because we had gone there, you know, quite a few times before, you know. And so we said, yes, we would like to apply because you have to give your passport, you know. And we said, we'd like to apply for visas to return back to Russia. They said, well, it will take at least six months before you are granted the visa to return back to Russia. Well, not only did we have to apply for the visa, but you had to also prepay once the visa was, you know, um, uh, what is it, uh, gone through, processed through, then they call you and they say, you know, you have to prepay for the stay wherever the, you know, the, the you know, you say, okay, I'm going to go to this city and that city. Well, the government, they only allows you to the tourist cities and they allowed you only to stay in their tourist hotels. You couldn't stay with family or relatives or friends. That was illegal in those years. And so anyway, so we said, we'd like to apply. And they said, well, it will take you at least six months. We said, it's okay. Thank you. I do have a water bottle out here that is open. So yeah, and I could use that too. So, um, so anyway, Richard would always say, you know, you don't want a dry preacher. <laughs> a little pun on words for my hubby. When you live with somebody, be married, had a beautiful marriage, you know, for 46 years, some things kind of rub off, you know. <laughs> but anyway, um, we applied for the visas, and the general, he said, I guarantee you, you will not go, you will not get them for at least six months. Well, Richard had the audacity to say, but God told us, (laughs) this general who's an atheist, he said, "Uh, God, you know, and Richard said, yes, God is real and he's alive. And he said, well, I guarantee you, you will not get those visas for at least six months. And Richard said, well, God's guarantees. And I thought, honey, just hush up, you know. Or else we'll never get those visas, you know. And he said, but God told us that we're going to be returning real soon. And and the general, he goes, there is no way, you know. So anyway, we filled out the forms and left. And um, two weeks went by. And this, we received a telephone call from the general consulate, you know, in from Seattle. And he goes, uh, this is general, you know, so-so from, you know, the Russian consulate. And he said, your visas, he said, I don't believe it. But he said, your visas have been processed. (laughs) And we said, whoa. He said, I don't understand how this happened. And we said, we know how that happened. It's by the power of God. And anyway, so he said, well, come and receive them, you know, tomorrow. And also, he said, we've written down the cities, you know, where you're going to go and the hotels that you're going to stay. So you have to pay such and such amount of money. Well, we didn't even have that amount of money because it was quite a large sum. Well, the next day, just before going to the consulate, in the mail, early in the morning, we received a check from Bend, Oregon. Now, at that time, I did not, we did not know a person in Bend, Oregon. Now, 
my family, we just spent a family reunion in Bend, Oregon. I mean, uh, and I, I was just so ecstatic in my heart because, I mean, uh, we had never gone, I had never gone to Bend, Oregon before. But anyway, here we receive a check from somebody in Bend, Oregon, didn't have a name, no address, but the exact amount that we had to pay for the visas, the hotels, for all the stay in Russia. And so anyway, we come to the consulate, and Richard said, I told you that God is real. He said, no, nah, no, nah, just, you know, he gives the visas, he goes, get out of here. <laughs> you know, they go, uhudi, uhudi, get out of here, you know. <laughs> and so anyway, we got the visas and the vouchers for, you know, the hotels, everything else. And so we come into Russia, and I remember we came, and we had, I mean, a car, the car was loaded, loaded with Bibles. I mean, the trunk, the, the back seat, we did not hide any of those Bibles. I mean, they were just stuck, stack piled from the floor to the ceiling. And it said, Svetaya Biblia, you know, in bold, you know, Russian, you know, holy Bibles, you know. And so here's all these Bibles. And, um, and as we were coming to the border, I'll never forget, I mean, we're waiting for hours and hours because uh, every car is, you know, searched through. And so, and all of a sudden, I start getting these um, little pitter-patter, you know, uh, in my heart. And my, I start to get a little panicky. And, uh, and Richard, he would just, you know, start saying some jokes, you know, and some things. I said, honey, look, they're ripping the car, you know, the seats out of the car and ripping them apart. And he said, it's okay. God promised that he was going to do a miracle. And so he goes, come on, honey, let's just go in, you know, while we're waiting for all these hours, let's play some badminton. So he takes out this badminton set at the border. I mean, yes, there's cars lined in front of us, you know. And so he takes out this badminton set, and, and he says, okay, the car's going to be like the net, you know. And so he's, you know, um, so he's playing, and he loves to slam dunk, you know. And so anyway, we're playing, and all of a sudden, he slam dunks this little birdie, you know. And it hits so hard, it hit one of the minefields. And all of a sudden, the siren just went, you know, just all over. And I thought, okay, honey, we ran into the car. I said, honey, we're not going to be taken into prison for Bibles. It's going to be for, you know, this, this foolish little thing that hit the minefield, you know. And so they got their dogs out, their soldiers, you know, going back up and down, up and down, you know, at the border there. And, fine, and they're, you know, finally saying, you know, to the cars, you know, you know go, 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 go. And when it was our car, they just said, go. You know, stamped our passport, boom, and just go. Well, friends, God, I think, has a sense of humor. <laughs> and so where I was just so frustrated, kind of, you know, and, um, you know, just scared. And, you know, God just put a piece, a piece, you know, when we were playing that little badminton little thing, you know. I mean, God just put, put a piece in my heart. And, um, and to see God do the miracle, to see God do the miracle. So anyway, we come into this one, you know, little one city, and we take these bags of Bibles, and we go to this one fellowship, and God just so, uh, you know, we never had the addresses, but we would, you know, just rely on the Holy Spirit, and, you know, as it says, God will do a new thing, and I thought, God, I've never had this, you know, happen before, but, you know, we don't have any addresses, so how are we going to find the Christians? Well, as God says, I will do a new thing, and I will make a crooked path straight. And the Holy Spirit would speak, and he would say, okay, go this way, and go that way. And so Richard would say, okay, honey, um, we need to go to the right, to the left. We, go, we need to go straight. We need to run right now. So we would run. I was much skinnier then, you know, and I mean, I was in shape at that time. And uh, uh, we, we could run for miles and miles, you know. Not anymore. <laughs> when you turn 70, I just turned 70. <laughs> but anyway, um, so anyway, he said, okay, honey, you go run, you know, through this little alley and meet me around, you know, on this. I go, what? You know, and he goes, yep, you're to go down this side and I'm going to go down this way. So we would go and then we'd meet and then he said, okay, now we got to, you know, go over here and, and sure enough, we come into this little, you know, there's this courtyard. He said, this is the place. And so we, you know, knock on the door and um, this little, you know, person opens the gate and we come into this fellowship and they looked at their, their clock and they said to both Richard and I, 
They said, you are just on time. And we thought, wow, we didn't even know that we were going to come here, you know, at this time. I mean, and so anyway, we come in there, and this first thing, this lady comes up to us, and she said, you know, she said, I knew two weeks ago that you were going to be here. And I, we both thought, okay, when we submitted, you know, the paperwork for visas to the consulate, I mean, they do your whole background check. I mean, they make sure they, you know, check all, you know, who your grandfather, great-grandfather, and, you know, where you lived and, you know, who you are and so forth. So anyway, she says, I knew two weeks ago that you were going to be here. And I thought, oh, you're a good KGB agent, you know. And this is both Richard and I. We thought, okay, you're a spy, you know. And, and she said, no, you're thinking wrong. She said, God gave me this dream. God gave me this dream. And in this dream... She said, I saw seven flowers that are in your family. There are seven brothers, uh, you have, there are seven children in your family, my, you know, uh, my brothers and sisters. And she said, and, sh and God gave the names of all my brothers and sisters. And she said, and your mom and dad, and they came from Ukraine and they fled to Russia, and I, I mean, f to Russia to, and then to China. And I thought, Oh, you're a good KGB agent. You know all the background, you know. You've done a thorough check about all this. And she said, no, you're thinking wrong. And I thought, yeah, you know all our names. You know, you know all my family's names, where we can't come from, where we had come from. And then she began to share about Rich's background. And I thought, wow, this KGB agent has really done a thorough, thorough investigation about our backgrounds. She said, no, you're thinking wrong. She said, you see, she said, I don't come from this place. I don't come from Moldova, but I come from a faraway place. I come from Fergana, which she said, I took a train way, way, you know, um, you know, one of the Islamic republics. Anyway, she said, I come from, you know, from Fergana. And she said, in our region, nobody Nobody, none of the Christians have a Bible. Not even the pastors have a Bible. And she said, God spoke to us. And the pastor, God spoke to the pastor and said, I want you to leave Firgana and go to Moldova and go to this fellowship. And when you arrive there, when you get there, you're going to meet this couple by the name of Richard and Sarah Michalski. And God showed her the families about both of the, you know, families and she said, and just to verify to you that I'm not a spy, I'm not a KGB, she said to Richard, you have Bibles hidden underneath your belt buckle, underneath your coat. Well, there was no way that she would have seen those Bibles underneath his, you know, coat. I mean, we had the satchels of Bibles, you know, there, but she said, underneath your coat, you have some Bibles. And so then we knew, we knew that she was she was a Christian. She was a born again. She was a sister in Jesus Christ. And as we, I remember, as Richard pulled out the Bibles and uh, gave it to me to give to her, and as I remember giving those Bibles to her, she held that to her chest, and I'll never forget the tears that flowed down her cheeks. She said, I've never in my life held a Bible. I've never, ever had the opportunity, the privilege of holding God's word in my hands. Friends, we take so much for granted. We've got the word of God. And yet so often at times we don't even, we don't even read it. And yet it's the precious, powerful word of God. And here this sister, as she was just crying there, I thought, God, help us. Help us to be so, you know, as dedicated, you know, and follow you the, to have that passion for the word, to have that passion and zeal to know your word, to devour your word, to listen to your word, to obey your word. And so uh, as we gave those Bibles, she said, our pastor and the Christians, they will be overwhelmed to receive the word of God. And so as it says, you know, yes, the, you know, the dream or that vision, it might be delayed for a while. It might be delayed for a while, but it will come to pass. It will come to pass. I remember 
you know, um, just shortly after my mom had passed away, this is about, oh, over more than 10 years ago. And I was just, you know, we went into Mexico and we were ministering in Mexico. And I was just grieving, grieving for, my mom was such a prayer warrior, intercessor, you know, for the ministry. And whenever we would go like to Russia in those early years, they would usually take care of our kids. And, um, and there were times when we were arrested in Russia. There were two times we were sentenced to 10 years in prison. And God spoke to my mom here at home and said, and she was taking care of the kids. Mom and dad were taking care of the kids. And the Holy Spirit spoke and said, your daughter and son-in-law are in captivity. But you will see the deliverance. And you will see them, you know, very soon. They will, what Kremlin has plotted against them will come to, you know, uh, to, uh, it will be destroyed. Well, at that time, Kremlin did, and Moscow did. They sentenced us, and they accused us of espionage. And so, and the CIA, they, you know, they said, we're sorry, we cannot do anything. You know, we can't help you, but they have accused you of espionage. Well, God stepped in. He did a miracle. And at the same time when, you know, um, I mean, Richard was in one cell and one prison, I was in another. And we had not seen each other for many, many, you know, I mean, the longest we spent was 21 days. But I remember when we were reunited, they said, we're going to have a kangaroo, we're having a court hearing for your trial. And we came, they wouldn't allow us to come into the court courtyard or courtrooms, should I say, not courtyard, courtroom. But Richard and I were, for the, you know, after all those days, I mean, of being separated and harassed. I mean, um, some of the beating was not exactly pleasant, but God sustained. God sustained where I didn't feel any pain at any time. And God sustained and preserved in a mighty way where it says he will make a crooked path straight. He will make rivers to flow in the desert. When you feel like you're in the desert, and I felt, I said, God, have I failed you? Have I failed you when I was in that prison? I said, God, did I do something wrong that, you know, uh, did I not have enough faith that, you know, I am harassed here and we are sentenced to 10 years? And God said, I am trying. I'm, you know, testing your faith. I'm testing your faith. You know, and God said, so that your faith will be even stronger, stronger to rely on Jesus Christ, to rely not on the situation that you're in, but to rely on the word of God that he had promised us. And God said, I promised you that I would do a miracle. I promised you that I would do some miracles in your life. And I said, God, but does that miracle, does that mean I'm going to be, we're going to be in prison these 10 years? And when we were united, Richard and I, Richard said, honey, God is going to set us free. I said, how do you know? He said, God said that he's going to set us free. And it was that same time that mom and dad were praying. And the Holy Spirit spoke and said, your daughter and son-in-law are in captivity. They had no idea that we were being in, that we were in prison they had no idea what had happened because you couldn't call home you know from Russia in those years and say hey mom dad or the consulate you know hey i'm arrested they wouldn't allow you to do that but the holy spirit is the greatest communicator the Holy Spirit, he intercedes. He prays on our behalf. When you don't know how you ought to pray, the Spirit makes intercession with groanings that cannot be uttered. Because you see, when you pray in the Spirit, you're not praying after the will of man. You're not praying after even what you want or what you desire or what you, you know, want God to do. But you're praying after the will of the Father. And so as my mom and dad, as they were praying, and God spoke this word, well, at that same time, our home church, the pastor at that time was Pastor Strum in Redmond, you know, uh, Washington here. And uh, they knew that we were missionaries, you know, that we were, you know, missionaries to, you know, Russia. They knew we went to Russia, but they had no clue what had happened. They thought, well, we're just, you know, going and doing the ministry within Russia well, that night, on a Sunday night, the pastor, Pastor Strum, he's, you know, um, just before he was speaking, he was giving announcements. And as he was giving announcements, 
all of a sudden he stops and he said, you know, God, the Holy Spirit is speaking to me right now. He said, and the Holy Spirit is saying that Richard and Sarah are in captivity. He's literally told this to the church. He said, we need to pray for Richard and Sarah. Well, they began to pray. It was that same hour that Richard and I were reunited and sitting for the court hearing for the verdict. Well, the judge came out and he said, I don't know why I feel lenient towards your case, but he said, you're free to go. Friends, not by might, not by power, but by the spirit of the living God. Hallelujah. Our God is an awesome God. Hallelujah. So we were set free. We were set free. So anyway, and my mom just being such a prayer warrior and dad too, such an intercessor. And they did see us, you know, come back. But anyway, as mom passed away, I was just grieving in my spirit, you know, just grieving with a lot of pain. And so we come into Mexico and we're ministering there. And I remember I was ministering at this ladies conference and as we're ministering at this ladies' conference, you know, um, and I was just, you know, almost, I was just finished. I was just exhausted. I had prayed for, you know, several hundred ladies. And so anyway, I was literally just dripping with, I mean, just, I mean, it was so hot and so humid. And there was this one sister that, sat, you know, stood by me and she had this towel. And she would just be, you know, mopping me. She would be wiping me down, you know. I mean, literally, I mean, I was just dripping you know, um, sweat. I mean, it was just coming down. So anyway, I'm finally finished after, you know, praying and, you know, sharing. And so anyway, and so I sit down and uh, just finished sitting down and these ladies came and they picked me up and they put me on the, and put me up on the front, on the altar. I thought, okay, what are they going to do? Am I going to be some sacrifice out here or what? You know, I mean, I had no clue, you know. And so anyway, so I'm just, you know, kind of sitting and, you know, up, up on that, you know, altar there. And, and these ladies, one after another, came and they began to pray over me. And they said, God told me, each one of them said, and Maru, our interpreter, she would interpret. She, and each lady said, God told me to be your mama, your intercessor, your mama in intercessory prayer. And I just began to weep and to weep. And finally, this last lady, the 10th lady, she started praying over me. And she said, I'll be a spiritual mama to you in the spirit and in prayer. And then all of a sudden, she began to pray in the Russian language. And I thought, wow, here's a Russian lady, you know, praying in the Russian language. And I mean, some of the things that she was saying in Russian. And then she said, I mean, and I thought, wow. But she said, write the books quickly. Write the books quickly. And I thought, wow, this lady. She, you know, I mean, she must have heard, you know, our testimonies, our stories, you know, in, because we had been going to Mexico many, many times over many years, you know. And so I thought, oh, she must have, you know, heard about the stories. And so here, you know, she's saying in the Russian language, and, you know, for an American or, uh, you know, a Western person, to you know, speak Russian fluently, I thought, okay, she is a Russian person. So anyway, after she's finished, you know, and she spoke about that Habakkuk, and almost identical to you know the 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 scripture that it says, and I thought, wow, and it says, write the vision and make it plain. Except she said also, not only vidyenya, but knigi, not only the vision, but you know, write the books, and and and, and the Lord said it, that you may run with it. And it said, uh, for the vision is yet, she said, it has been for an appointed time. Now is the time. She said, now is the time that you need to take action, action with the vision that God has given you. And, the, and so anyway, um, and she finished, you know, praying. And I, you know, and she went and sat down. And at that time, I remember I was just bawling, just bawling, you know. And God at that time, as she was also praying, God just did a healing of taking that pain, that deep, deep pain in my heart. And um, I had an experience such deep pain 
except for when Richard passed away, my beloved hubby. And so here when that pain just, I mean, God just removed it. And I just felt an, uh, just a peace, you know, and a joy that was restored to me. A joy that, I mean, the world cannot give, only Jesus Christ. And so anyway, and I'm just bawling and, you know, with rejoicing in my heart and my spirit. And as I'm rejoicing, all of a sudden I wanted to open my eyes to see who this lady, who this Russian lady was, you know. And I wanted to, you know, thank her. And my eyes were like shut. I couldn't open my eyes. The only thing that came out of my eyes was just tears and tears. And finally, you know, um, she had left. And, you know, and finally after some time I had finished, you know. And, and I said to Maru, I said, Maru, who is that lady, the Spanish lady that was, you know, praying for me last? Can you direct me to her? And she said, yeah, she's right over there, um, an elderly little lady. And so I came up to her and I said, I go, Slava Gospodu, vi navierna paruski znaite. I said, praise the Lord, you must know the Russian language. She goes, no, only Espanol. <laughs> you know, she said, I only know Spanish. And I said, but you spoke fluent Russian. She said, I don't know a word of Russian. <laughs> and so anyway, so Richard and I came home from Mexico, and that's when we began to write those books. And so God, he says, you know, um, he gives that vision. He gives that vision. And some of you, you know, some of you maybe, uh, some are even in the ministry. Maybe, you know, and God is repositioning. God is repositioning his people in this hour so that he can do, so that he can fulfill the vision, the dream that he has given unto you. But God is repositioning so that there might be a mighty in gathering of the harvest that will be come in, that there will be fruit that will remain. There will be fruit that you will reach, fruit that is eternal, that you will bring into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. He has not given that vision. He has not given that dream just so that it will just be, you know, nebulous and for no reason. But God has given and given you maybe even certain things that you're going to do in your life. Maybe he's even spoken of a nation you're going to go to and it hasn't come to pass. Or maybe certain people that you're going to go to and it has not come to pass. But yet God says that was for an appointed time. But now is the time. Now is the time. God says he's going to do a quick work. He's going to do a quick work in your life, in my life. You know, and last summer, I remember when I went back to, you know, to Ukraine, the Holy Spirit spoke and said, I'm going to put you, I'm going to wrap you up like in a cocoon. And I said, okay, God, because protect me from all these viruses, all this COVID, all these different things. And as I came into Ukraine, I was ministering in these children's camps. We had these children's camps in these, you know, remote, remote villages. And for the first two weeks, we held the uh, children's camp in our orphanage, which is right near Crimea. Well, this orphanage, we brought these children that were not from the orphanage, but children that were foster children from, you know, other orphan orphanages that were not Christians. And so we brought them into our orphanage for two weeks. And so as we were doing this children's camp, I remember those kids, none of them, none of them had known Jesus Christ as their savior. And there was this one boy, his name was Vita, Victor. And he was 22 years of age. And I'll never forget, you know, we would have a program, you know, for the kids throughout the day. It started from 8 in the morning and finished, you know, at 11 o'clock. Different things, you know, that transpired throughout the day. Different, you know, games and stories and uh, skits and, you know, different, different things. And so anyway, and in the courtyard during the time that each one of the group was to do a, you know, a skit about a character that we had presented early in the morning in the devotions. And so in, so the group would, you know, there was about 10 different groups, and each group was about uh, 9, 10, 11 kids, you know. And so anyway, <clears throat> they would do the skit in the courtyard. And so this little Vita, he would sit, you know, uh, next to me, and, and then there were these other girls, and we would be watching. And, and Vita, he was just, he had the most foul, foul mouth, you know, and he was just awful, and he was just obnoxious. And he would just, I mean, he was just vulgar to the girls. You know, he would just say, you know, just bad, bad things, you know. 
And, I, and he would stutter. He wouldn't be able to, you know, give, you know, um, sentences, full sentences, but he would just, you know, give, you know, words, and he would stutter during those times. And so I said, Vita, you need Jesus. You need Jesus in your heart to, you know, to give you peace, to give you joy, to give you a purpose. He has a destiny in your life. And Vita, he goes, I said, and Jesus wants to be your best friend. He goes, I don't need no friend. And I said, oh, but we all need friends. We all, and we all need Jesus as our best friend. He goes, I don't want Jesus. And he goes, I don't want any friends. And I thought, oh, Jesus, give me the wisdom. Give me. And I said, Holy Spirit, you somehow ministered to that heart. But little did I realize until later on, my brother told me, he said, you know this, Vita, the reason he's stuttering, the reason he's lost his speech, he said, just six months before the camp, he said he came from an alcoholic home. His father was an alcoholic who had hung himself six months ago. And Vita found his father dead, hung. And so two months after his father had passed away, you know, committing suicide, Vita, you know, comes home from work and uh, he finds his mother hung herself. He had only one brother, and two months after that, his brother commit suicide too by hanging himself. So Vitya lost his speech. He just stuttered. And so he was so traumatized, so full of anger. And I, I, I don't blame the little guy. I mean, to be traumatized like that, I mean, only God can heal, restore, and bring, you know, peace to a heart that's just in such trauma. And so anyway, when I found out about that, I said, Jesus, you heal this little heart of his, and you make a change in his heart. Well, this house next to our orphanage, they would bring, you know, kids too, but, um, you know, and so they would play, you know, and these kids will be outside, you know, in the evening, and we would have our services in the evening. And we would have, you know, we would meet under the straw roof in our, you know, in our orphanage there. And so anyway, we're meeting. And this one day, these kids next door, they were just playing the most awful, awful music. I mean, sensual and sexual and, I mean, just all this stuff. Well, our kids, they're sitting there. Well, some of the girls, they just start, you know, gyrating. And, and I said, oh, don't do that. And so this next day, I said, God. Do something, do something, you know, uh, just, you know, um, make their amp or whatever, just, you know, bust it, you know, uh, do something with their, you know, PA system or whatever, you know, their uh, sound system because it was, you know, blasted, you know, blaring all over. And so anyway, all of a sudden, the storm erupts, the storm, and all I see, this black, dark clouds, and, um, and we see lightning and thunder just hit. Well, the thunder and the lightning, the uh, we heard, and the lightning was striking just so close, you know. Well, and, and we prayed, and I said, God, just protect us, and, you know, you do your miracle. Well, it started to pour down rain. Well, the neighbors ran inside. Believe it or not, not one drop of rain hit our area for three hours. Three hours from 7 o'clock, 7, 8, 9, 10, yeah, till 10 o'clock, three hours, um, a little over three hours. I mean, not a drop of rain where we were at, you know, on, on our property. You could see the rain, torrential rains and the thunder and the lightning. You could see that, you know, and hear it and um, see the rains on the right, on the left, you know, of the properties. But nothing had touched us. And my brother Fred he was given an altar call that night. Every one of those kids, they ran to the front. <laughs> and little Vita, he ran to the front, and he surrendered his heart to Jesus Christ. Well, God not only saved him, delivered him, set him free from that trauma, set him free from that anger, set him free from, you know, the things that he was going through. And God restored the mobility of speech to him. 
And he began to speak just fluently. And he began to give a testimony in front of all the kids. Well, it was a testimony of God's, you know, God's miracle in his life where he spoke fluently. You could understand everything he was saying. And the kids, they knew what, how he was before. And so it was just amazing to see the intervention, the intervention of God in the lives of these young people. And I'll never forget, you know, we were able to, as we went to these other camps, God just brought, he kept bringing these children and these children in these other villages. I mean, there were some kids that were sitting right next to me and they said, oh, we've got COVID. I am burning with fever. I'm burning with fire. And I said, Jesus, you heal this young girl. You heal this, these two girls that are, you know, uh, and they were tested, you know, positive. And so anyway, by the, that evening, both of those girls were totally healed. Both of them healed. And God preserved my life. God preserved me from getting any of that COVID. But in those other remote villages, the parents, the grandparents, the aunts, they would come into these, you know, uh, meetings where we would have for these kids. Well, this one place we were coming to, God just spoke and said, I'm going to tear down, tear down the evil, evil stronghold that is in this village. And God spoke and said, there's a, a witch in this village that has been placing curses on the people. And so as we were ministering, you know, to the kids that day, well, these families, I mean, these moms, dads, grandmas would come and they would just listen to, you know, the message. They would listen to the kids, you know, play and so forth. And as, you know, they were doing one of the sessions, we were doing one of the sessions, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, I want you to go and speak to that lady that's sitting over there. And there were about 50 other ladies sitting around her. And God spoke and says, she's the witch. She's the one that's been placing curses on my people here. And so I come to her and I said, you know, the Holy Spirit just spoke to my heart and said, you are a witch. You've been in occult, and you've been placing curses on the people. And these other people, these other ladies, they go, yes, she's a, you know, uh, um, she's the witch. She's a, you know, um, they said, you know, she's the witch. And she's been playing, placing all these curses. And so, and, and, she's, and the curses that she's been placing, there are different diseases that have come upon the people. So I said, you know, to this lady, I said, Jesus Christ. He died on the cross. I said, God loved you so much. I said, God loved you so much that he sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die on Calvary so that your sins can be forgiven, so that you could come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, so that your soul would not be damned into eternity, so that your soul won't go into hell. But Jesus, he died so that he can redeem your soul, redeem you from the eternal you know, damnation. I said, Jesus loves you. And she said, will you pray? And as I began to pray, I said, well, you have to repent. You have to acknowledge. You have to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And you have to confess. You have to repent that you are a sinner. And you have to renounce the things that you've been involved in. You have to renounce and give that over and not be involved in it again. And as she began to pray, all of a sudden, this froth just starts coming out of her mouth. And she starts screaming. These other people, they go, what on earth is happening? Well, these people had never seen anything like that, you know. And I said, God is setting her free from the demons, the demons that have tormented her for so many years. And all of a sudden, she was set free. And she just raised her hands. She dropped on her knees. And she said, Jesus, you are Lord of my life. You have set me free. And I feel free from the bondage of all the torment, of all the tormenting things that have tormented me for so many years. And I've tormented other people with the curses. And she said, Jesus, you are my Savior. You are my Deliverer. 
You are my rescuer. You are my fortress. And Jesus is the Savior, the deliverer. And he still delivers. He still sets free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Hallelujah. There might be some here and you need some deliverance. You need the power of Jesus Christ to set you free from some addiction. You might be in some kind of things that have bound you for years. And Jesus is saying to you today, Jesus, is, he wants to do a new thing. He wants to set you free. He doesn't want you bound anymore. But Jesus wants to set you free so that you would be free forever. Not just for a day. Not just for a week. But you will be set free forever. And Jesus, I just ask you right now, in the name of Jesus, that Father God, you are speaking even to some individual right here. And Jesus, I ask for the power of Jesus Christ, the power of Jesus Christ to flow and to set that individual free. In the name of Jesus, I come against this addiction. I come against this addiction that has bound, that has bound his mind, that has bound him with the media, that has bound him with the things, Lord, that are evil. And Jesus, I ask that you would set him free by the power of Jesus Christ. And Jesus, we ask that you would do a work. You would do a work by your Holy Spirit that no man can do. But Father God, we ask you even now, even now, Jesus, you are repositioning our lives. You're repositioning many of the things in our own families. And God, we ask you, Jesus, that we would not grumble. We would not be complaining. But Jesus, that we would know that you are the one that is fighting that battle and you are the victor. You are the victor of every battle. And Jesus, I ask that you would topple. You would topple these giants, these giants in the homes in the name of Jesus. I ask that you would restore. You would reconcile marriages, God. Marriages, Father God, those that are on the verge even of divorce, I ask that you would restore and reconcile in the name of Jesus. Father God, I ask that you would just pour in your love, your love that is divine, not the human love, but divine love into this marriage in the name of Jesus. Father God, I ask that you would also, you would bring forth a healing. You would bring forth healing in relationship within this, these families in the name of Jesus. Father God, where the enemy has brought in division, where the enemy has brought in a lot of walls, Jesus, I ask that you would remove those walls. You would remove those walls and bring forth your healing even now in the name of Jesus. Father God, I ask that you would also right now in Jesus' name, I ask that you would touch this hip in the name of Jesus. You are the healer. You are the healer. And I ask that you would also heal this hip. Father God, where they have had even surgery on that hip and it has not been successful. Father God, I ask for the healing virtue of Jesus Christ to flow through that hip. In Jesus' name. Jesus, I ask you right now that you would heal. You would heal this, um, uh, uh, these clots, these clots within these legs in the name of Jesus. This thrombosis in Jesus' name. Let your healing virtue flow. Let your healing virtue flow in Jesus' name. I come against this thrombosis within this person in Jesus' name, God. I ask for that healing, that healing in Jesus' name, God. Dissolve every clot, dissolve every blood clot in Jesus' name, God. I ask that, Father God, you would touch every muscle, you would touch every nerve there in Jesus' name. Let the power of Jesus Christ, let your healing flow through her in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father God. We thank you, Jesus. And Father God, I come against these mighty grains that the sister has had for years. Jesus, I ask that you would break it off her. You would break it off her in the name of Jesus. Father God, I thank you. I thank you that your healing, your healing is even now, even now for your word says, by your stripes, by your stripes, we are healed. And I claim, I claim that word that you have spoken, the promises that you have spoken, that Father God, I ask that you would just remove, you would remove those afflictions, you would remove those afflictions. You would remove those diseases from this sister in Jesus' name, God. What the doctors have given a report, you are going to give a different report, and your report is going to be great and mighty to the glory of Jesus Christ. 
Father God, I thank you, Jesus, that you are going to give a different report. And Father God, the things that you are going to do within this home are going to be quickly, are going to be quickly. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Father God. And Jesus, I ask you even now that you would just minister to the sister, Lord, with uh, the shoulder that has not been able to move too readily. Father God, the injury that she's had, in the name of Jesus, I ask for the healing virtue within those ligaments, within those muscles, within, Father God, even now, you heal and restore those ligaments in the name of Jesus. Father God, I ask in the name of Jesus, Father God, as you healed my shoulder, God, and Father God, where I couldn't lift my hand up, and Jesus just suddenly, you did a suddenly, and Father God, I ask that you would do a suddenly even now, a suddenly even now of your healing, of your healing in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Father God. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, you are the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, and we will give you the praise. We will give you the glory. We will give you all honor, for you alone deserve all the glory and all the honor. Jesus, I ask you, God, that you would just bless your body. You would bless your church, God, and I ask that you would make them, you would make them your instruments. Father God, let them not be complacent in the places, in the place that they might be, but Father God, I ask that you would stir and ignite a fire in each one, a fire of the Holy Spirit in each one to reach, to reach the lost, to go out into a community, to go out to where you ask them to go, to be obedient to where you ask them to go, and to be obedient to what you ask them to do so that they may bring forth fruit to you in the name of Jesus. Let them be light in the midst of this darkness, in the midst of the chaos. Father God, let them be a mighty shining light in this midst. In Jesus' name, Lord, I ask that the anointing of the Holy Spirit would put on boldness upon your body, that you would put on boldness to proclaim and to share the power of Jesus Christ. Father God, I ask that you would take each one and you would cause them to be your instruments, your vessels of honor and praise to the glory of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father God. And I ask you, God, that you would use them, you would use them in these end times. Thank you, Jesus. I ask that you would bless your body in Jesus' name, Lord. Amen.